Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City, and Joe Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, is at it again. This time, he's saying everybody's got to wear a mask, and he's going to bribe you. That's right. He's going to toss you a C-note. He's going to give you $100 if you get that vaccine. I don't know about you. I don't want to get into the debate of pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. I just think, do you think 100 bucks is really going to get anybody moving? So today... I'm calling on all states and local governments to use funding they have received, including from the American Rescue Plan, to give $100 to anyone who gets fully vaccinated. I know the pain people who get vaccinated might sound unfair to folks who've gotten vaccinated already. But here's the deal. If incentives help us beat this virus, I believe we should use them. But what I want to talk about now is the big news that we're expecting today on everything COVID. There's the vaccines, there's the mask mandate. The CDC recommends you wear a mask when you're in public and indoors, like work or in a grocery store. That's true for both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Why? Because even if you've been fully vaccinated and protected from severe illness from COVID-19, you could have the Delta variant in your system and spread it to someone who isn't vaccinated. We need to wear a mask to protect each other and to stop the rapid spread of this virus as we work to get more people vaccinated. And I hope all Americans who live in areas with substantial or high cases rates will follow the mask guidance that's being laid down by the CDC. I certainly will, and I have, because this is one of those areas in Washington. And in my decision, my direction, all federal personnel and visitors to federal buildings will have to do the same thing. There's all sorts of things. I mean, there's a bunch of misinformation, disinformation, propaganda going on social media. Everybody's telling me that they're shutting down New York City on August 1st. And uh, I'm in this area. I haven't heard about that. You've got Senator Ted Cruz putting people on the spot and holding their feet to the fire. And I think that's important because everybody at the CDC, at least Rochelle Walensky uh, to start with, she's pushing this potential mask mandate. Yet they're not sure, is this politics? Is it science? What's the need? She's saying kids are safe, but we don't know. But anyway, I have this cut number six that I wanna play for you guys. I want you to hear it. Tell me what you think. I believe the CDC's decision yesterday was politics. It wasn't science. It was a decision that somehow pretends vaccines don't work. The CDC months ago rightly concluded that vaccinated people don't need to wear masks because the whole purpose of a vaccine is not to get the disease. 
That decision was right. The science hasn't changed. The only thing that has changed is the politics. A year and a half ago, the CDC was one of, if not the most respected scientific and medical organization in the country. Today, the credibility of the CDC is in tatters because leadership of the CDC has been willing to allow science to become politicized. Science has become politicized. You know, you look at that and you think, man, tell me something I don't know, Rich. But you know what? We have to, I think, focus on this stuff because this is really hitting home. I mean, you've got little kids. The reason I know about this misinformation propaganda was I, uh, I have a brother that dabbles with conspiracy theory, what many people call conspiracy theories, right? And he uh, always sends me, and you know, maybe we'll do a little bit uh, on that in a little bit. I try to stay away from that, but it is sometimes fun to uh, get people's take on it. But we, he dabbles in that, has all these different connections in that world. He's been doing it for years. Started with UFOs and ended up with uh, the deep state and all that. And a lot of this stuff isn't always conspiratorial. But he sends me this text yesterday afternoon and says, hey, let me know what you're hearing about this uh, massive lockdown NYC for August 1st. And literally a second and a half later, my 15-year-old daughter who was sitting next to me looks at me and says, oh, lockdown in New York City, August 1st. And I'm thinking, wow. Now, this is not a thing as best as I know. <laughs> There's no uh, lockdown going on. I mean, I was part of that last lockdown, and I remember getting this uh, certificate, this printable certificate from the United States Department of Homeland Security that said because I was a broadcaster, I had, if I had any trouble crossing the Lincoln Tunnel or the George Washington Bridge going in from Jersey to Manhattan, that I sh could show this document, right? It, Kind of like this, uh, what you've only heard of in, in history, and like in East Germany. So uh, having these papers, if you will. And I, uh, I remember all that. And, you know, it came down the line and all the, the, the broadcast companies received it. And it was a thing. But are they going to just magically do a thing and not do it? And I think, you know, we have some connections. We know people. When there's something big going on like that, we know what the deal is. Anyway, long story short. I realize this is part of the misinformation, disinformation that's constantly out there for whatever purpose. And something that I learned from former Secretary Mike Pompeo was that a lot of times this stuff is just designed to mess with everybody's head. For example, there was a video, and I don't want to open up a huge can of worms on this, but there was a video about the 2020 election that was deemed by Pompeo and the State Department at the time to not be genuine in its showing of certain uh, printed ballots, et cetera, that were printed supposedly in China. That wasn't necessarily the case. These ballots didn't even exist. The whole video was staged by Iranian intelligence to smear China. And I thought, what was the purpose of that? Why would one want to go to those lengths? That is a, a question I don't necessarily have an answer for. But uh, it was concluded by the State Department that they do that just for the sake of trying to frame people for certain things, for distraction, for smear, for whatever the case is with their overall and overarching international espionage endeavors. And I, I thought, wow, this is really, uh, I'm not going to say complicated, but it's um, a little bit complex. There's nuance to it. So when you look at that stuff, you think, man, people are getting all sorts of misinformation, all sorts of crazy stuff. And I think that's why it's important for leaders uh, in the conservative movement, leaders uh, in, in politics, people like Senator Ted Cruz, 
who are in Capitol Hill saying, you know what, this has gone beyond the science. It's been politicized and it's important. And I think we're all saying that, shouting it from the rooftops. But I think it has to be said more cogently, more coherently, the way he just did, because I think more and more people need to realize there is a fair amount of power, in some places, a very unchecked power that goes along with this pandemic. And the more pandemic we have, the more small town mayors have power, the more uh, governors have power. Everybody's getting all this power that they don't necessarily want to let go of. And they let go of it for a little while, but I think they've realized, you know, we've done pretty good with this political power. And it's playing to their autocratic tendencies for those that espouse those autocratic proclivities. Anyway, so I want you to hear the rest of what Senator Ted Cruz had to say. Check this out. Vaccines are effective. I've been vaccinated. My wife has been vaccinated. My parents have been vaccinated. My wife's parents have been vaccinated. I've been urging Americans to get vaccinated, but I also believe in individual liberty. I believe in freedom. It's your damn choice whether you get vaccinated. I think it made sense for me in consultation with my doctor, but you have the ability to make your choice. And the irony is it is the Biden administration that is doing what Senator Shaheen accused me of doing. When, when they put out, the CDC puts out this rule, even if you've been vaccinated, you got to put a mask on. It is the Biden administration that are telling people vaccines don't work. I actually understand vaccines do work, which is why that is an arbitrary rule to require people who have been vaccinated to put a mask on. And there you have it. The jury's out with the vaccine stuff. But by and large, more people have taken it and not dropped dead and not had symptoms than those that have. That doesn't uh, negate in the least that there are people that have taken it and had these repercussions. I want to give you my... uh, Thoughts on what Senator Cruz said, but I heard yesterday on Newsmax this testimony from this kid that he was on uh, the news with Sean Kreisman, and he said, I think he was 19 years old, college kid, athlete, plays in three sports, and he'd taken the vaccine because he had an immunocompromised sister, and his sister, you know, was thankful, and the family was thankful. He did it, you know, to protect his family, and ended up getting these neurological problems, and then started to have his own issues as a result of the vaccine. He's working through it with doctors, and they said, you know, this is one of those uh, one-off kind of things. We don't expect that to happen with everybody. But it raises the question that the kid was 18 when he took it, right? If if um, it's so imperative to prevent further harm, further illness, should we take into consideration that somebody that may be young and not in dire straits, kind of like somebody that is older, uh, immunocompromised, the people that, you know, are taking it in lieu of waiting the full um, FDA approval process and they're taking it as emergency authorization, should they be taking it as well? Should teenagers be expected and or required to take this vaccine? And this leads to the bigger conversation of schools. They were saying, oh, let's open schools. And then just yesterday we heard uh, one of my favorite villainesses, or least favorite, I should say, uh, Randy Weingarten, who she goes and says, we're going to do our best to open schools this September. When again, I don't know, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, they were saying, yeah, no, we're going to open schools. The question is, is everybody going to be masked or not? Are we going to have all these kids wearing masks? So again, this goes back down to that power that comes with the pandemic. I think, you know, Houston... Is this thing on? We've got a problem here, a really big problem here, because people are becoming more addicted to the power than they are in doing what's right for the people. Now, regarding what Senator Cruz said, I think he's spot on. If he thinks uh, vaccines are great, that's fantastic. I personally have never really been a big fan. Not that anybody can be a fan, but he sounded like he was very fanatical. He's saying they work, and I, I think that's arguable. I'm not taking a position on yes or no. I'm just saying, like, in myself, my own family, my dad, who was a, a older guy, and he had some health issues, and the doctor would ask every 
every single doctor's appointment, I'm talking like five years ago, six years ago, they would say, oh, has he taken the, um, the flu vaccine? Has he taken the pneumonia vaccine? And I think I did it a couple of times, you know, like one year we said yes to both. And both times he caught like a really bad cold, got a chest cold. And I was like, you know, and they were like, yeah, that's kind of part of it. You know, it kind of inoculates him. You know, this way it's more mild and he's more. And I get I get it. I get the whole concept of it. But I thought to myself, my dad doesn't go out a ton. He's not really exposed to a lot of things. It, you know, we, we took a lot of um, steps because my mom had an autoimmune disease that um, was respiratory. So we were very uh, familiar with infection control and whatnot. So I said, you know, I don't think I need to vaccinate uh, the old man anymore. Every time we go to the doctor, they ask the same question. And it, it struck me as odd that they don't have a record of doing it. You know, it's every single time. Would you like the flu vaccine? Would you like the pneumonia vaccine? You almost think that we're getting a commission for giving it. But I understand maybe they're just really, really trying to focus on health. So my point is lots of people have different opinions. And Cruz is right in saying this has to be your personal choice. This is your health. Now, this is not um, the argument of my body, my choice. I'm saying it because I think it's critically important for people to realize that if we had a lot of data and research and whatever, and this thing is proven to be super awesome all the time for people of all ages and women and child rearing, uh, women and child rearing ages, all of that, if all of it's okay, then hey, no problemo. But I think right here, this emergency authorization was just that. People that were in emergent situations should really put their attention and focus on taking it to sit here and try and blame every last person that didn't get it, to blame this 18-year-old kid that was playing in three different sports in college and his friend that was on the news as well, to put the onus of the evil uh, cue the scary music, dun, 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 Delta variant, and, and all of the, the sinister nonsense, in my opinion, that's coming out of the media to scare the crap out of people about the Delta variant. It's just hysterical hyperbole, and it's being overplayed. Anyway, those are my thoughts. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. So Susan Sarandon, Hollywood legacy actress, who's been known for being a sympathizer to left-wing causes over the years, she's now taking exception to what my least favorite congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is doing. And uh, she was involved in a protest outside of AOC All Out Crazy's office just yesterday. Now, Susan Sarandon, this is on Yahoo News, is protesting outside of AOC's office, saying, you know, we're losing hope that you're here to represent us. Now, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? And this is right in line with what we talked about in the last hour. And if you missed it, get it on 1210PHT's website, odyssey.com. They, uh, they do a phenomenal job there. But what I think is terrific about this is that Susan Sarandon, I'm reading from the article now, was seen protesting outside New York Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I will editorialize and call her all out crazy, uh, in New York on Monday. 
In a video obtained by The Independent, a 74-year-old actress used a megaphone to address the gathering crowd. Sarandon expressed her disappointment in AOC and the quote-unquote squad. And she's saying, I'm here to say that the squad, and especially AOC, who you know did make a lot of promises, that we still have faith in you and we would like to see if you have a better plan than we've been able to see so far. Please share it. Sarandon added, if there's a pathway you've got that we're not aware of, please share it because we're losing hope that you're here to represent us. So I look at this and I think, is this really the left wing claiming that AOC is not left wing enough? Or is it the nuances that exist amongst the left? Right. You have the AOC radical type. But Susan Sarandon is definitely a radical, but I think she's more of a populist, right? A left-wing populist where she she's all about all of these feel-good things and she's not uh, anti-capitalist because Susan Sarandon's made more money than most of us and continues to, right? She she profits off of not the, um, I was going to call the, the bike where people watch the TV, not that one, uh, but uh, SoulCycle, right? That's her company or she's a part of it, helped start it. So I think Susan Sarandon's on a different page, but she may be one of those millionaires that's willing to say, I'm willing to pay more of my fair share. And it's always interesting to me, at least, the millionaires that are older and even those that are wealthier than that, they tend to be more willing to pay more taxes as they're older in life, after their kids have already gone to college, after they've already made a career for themselves, where they've, you know, they're on their fourth house or whatever. Easy for you to say you want to give away my money and some of yours. Anyway, she says, it's so difficult that people are independent to get elected in the first place and then see the very people that sponsored the bill and not stand up for it. That's very disheartening. The Oscar winner concluded, the protest was advertised as a Medicare for all rally and sought to bring attention to the need for Biden to declare a pandemic public health emergency and expand Medicare to every American using Section 188 1A of the Social Security Act. Sarandon called out AOC outside of her Bronx, New York office on Monday. And what's interesting about that, and again, you know, I've had my own run in with AOC. And Sarandon, quite frankly, and I'll get into that in a second. But what's interesting about this to me is that they want to declare a public health emergency. And so they go out to AOC's office in the Bronx. Now, last I checked, AOC doesn't have an office in the Bronx. She like rents a desk in the corner of some assemblyman's office in the Bronx. Because I guess the people of the Bronx aren't worthy of their own office because her budget provides for an office in the Bronx. Matter of fact, she didn't even have an office in Queens for quite a while. And again, these are local topics that I covered a long time ago in New York. But my my point was, these were things that had happened all along, and she's always been MIA. And now the big lefties on her side of the fence are taking note of it. And they demanded, right, that AOC use every legislative tool that was available to pass Medicare for all in Congress, including withholding and leveraging your votes to demand single payer as a condition for passing legislation, it says on their website. So what's really um, rich here is one more example of the collectivist thinking of the Marxist saying, you know what, we're going to use our government power to be the ruling class and force this on everybody. Everybody needs to get Medicare because this pandemic is magic. It's manna from heaven, right? As long as we have pandemic, we can go for this.
not good, no bueno. They also want politicians to use their huge social media followings and AOC in particular and ability to get press and celebrity to organize and create direct actions on this cause. Blah, 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 blah. So that's AOC and Susan Sarandon. Now, what's interesting is I told you yesterday about AOC. I saw her once. She ran away. You could find that wherever you want to. Uh, it's a very uh, interesting story. But my story about Susan Sarandon, you're not so familiar with. So let me see if I could share that in a nutshell. Or, yeah, I think I can. So I shared with you guys yesterday that I uh, was the uh, director of operations, which is a national field director. I managed uh, all of the people that were doing undercover reporting and investigative um, filmmaking for Project Veritas, James O'Keefe's organization. And I did that back in 2014, 2015. And at that time, we had a project going where we were trying to expose the hypocrisy of the left when it came to climate change and uh, global warming and whatever. So there were a few Hollywood lefties that really were big on this issue. They were big on, you know, we hate fossil fuels, we hate this, we hate that. Uh, Susan Sarandon was among them. Uh, Ed Begley Jr., Marielle Hemingway. There, there's just a f bunch of, uh, you know, kind of legacy Hollywood types. Uh, Ed Begley Jr., I think, was one of the, the funnier ones that was famous for riding a bike to the Oscars because he didn't want to increase his carbon footprint. And what was interesting was we got them all on tape agreeing to take millions of dollars from a Middle Eastern oil baron that was willing to promote a film that attacked fracking because it fracking was messing up his bottom line. And he made it in no uncertain terms. He goes and tells them, listen, I need to, you to make a, a film attacking fracking because it's ruining my oil cash flow and my family depends highly on fossil fuels and I need you to help me to stay in business. And like, like, uh, like it was rehearsed, they were all like in unison. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. We could do that. Sure. Understood. <laughs> and, and they were there. And it was just uh, such an interesting thing to see with a fly on the wall type of camera. These guys were wearing hidden cameras as they were doing this. They would never admit to doing this on a regular camera, but they did it then. And we did that again years ago. And it was called Expose, uh, Hollywood's War on U.S. Energy, if you want to check out the film. It's on YouTube now. You can take a look at it. We actually initially um, did the uh, premiere of it at the Cannes Film Festival. And um, that was uh, another story for another day. But it was just interesting. Harvey Weinstein was there. And, and we were always trying to, to go after the left that way and in the culture. So Susan Sarandon is a real dyed-in-the-wool lefty. She really is. And and we exposed her and her hypocrisy on that one. Uh, but I got to say, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't dislike her. I think she's actually a very affable person. We just disagree on politics and on this whole climate change thing. But that's what's going on. She's there and she's in the face of AOC saying that we're going to have to give Medicare, which is designed for older adults that don't, that don't have their own and, you know, paid into Social Security, meeting a certain age. Um, it's designed for a certain population, right? It's not designed for everybody. It, it, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to offer it to everybody. It's kind of like saying breastfeeding. We're going to offer breastfeeding to everybody? No, it's designed for a certain population, right? At a certain age, it's enough. And some people push it, but for the most part, that's enough. It stops at a certain age. I think uh, we should look at Medicare the same way because it's one of those things that eventually you just have to cut off. And this this whole drama of, of climate change, it makes me think of Chuck, good old Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, 
and I think I have him uh, a cut on him somewhere over here. He uh, cut 15. He's talking about taking major action on climate change. And I think this major action, again, this is more of that. I bet you if we told Chuck Schumer and we did a little hidden camera on him, he'd change his tune on this climate change stuff because he doesn't believe it. Now, I think if you went to certain people um, that would, you know, uh, people would classify as radical right wingers or or um, rabid Trump supporters and asked them if they really believed in the stuff, both on camera and off, I think you would get honesty. People really do believe in America. People do shed a tear when they put their hand over their heart for the Pledge of Allegiance as they're standing at attention during the playing of the national anthem. There's a lot of people that love this country and stand for what they believe in. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Chuck Schumer, he wants to take bold action against climate change. So I want you to listen to what Chucky had to say. Cut 15. Check this out. Now we've reached a moment and we're going to look back on this moment as a pivotal, pivotal moment in the world fight against the climate crisis. What we can do in the next few months in terms of big, bold action is like nothing this nation and this world has ever seen before. This is a unique opportunity. We are surrounded by evidence of the climate crisis. The fires out west, the heat waves, the floods, everywhere you look, because of global warming, things are getting worse and worse. And I tell my constituents in New York, COVID was horrible. But if we do nothing on climate, starting within a few short years from now, each year will be worse than COVID and each year will be worse than the previous year. And that's why so many of us are so concerned with this. And no one is more concerned with this than our young generation. Well, I think we're surrounded by evidence of Chuck Schumer and the corruption crisis that exists in our government, primarily in Washington. And it, it's all over the place, whether it's the inexplicable spending on things that we can't even define as infrastructure anymore. All of that stuff is still happening, yet Chuck Schumer's still here going after these, uh, I'm going to call them red meat issues for his friends like Susan Sarandon. Keep it locked right there. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Para Inglés, o primo número dos, para Rich Valdez, y esto es América, ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And, you know, I spent a couple of days this week doing uh, a show out of Philadelphia, WPHT 1210. Big shout out to Rich Zioli and everybody in the WPHT family in Philly. If you had a chance to listen, thank you for that. And there was one caller that was really, really um, out of his mind. And I want to play a little bit of the audio from this call because he really, he said the craziest thing. He was challenging me on how evil I was and uh, many of you are for being a supporter of President Trump's and blaming this quote-unquote 
insurrection, what he calls the erection, on racism. But this call takes a very sharp turn. Listen to this. All right, welcome back, Philly. Rich Valdez in today, 10 to noon. I'm with you uh, up until lunchtime, and then hopefully you get a little something to eat. For me, I'm probably going to get a little arroz con habichuela because I like a little Spanish food. You know, uh, my mom always made a killer arroz con pollo, and, you know, I'm just getting hungry thinking about 12 o'clock coming around. But until then, you've got me. You're stuck with me. Our phone number, 855-839-1210. And I'm at Rich Valdez on all the social media, Rich Valdez with an S. So whether that's Twitter or Getter or whatever you're on, hit me up. I like to interact as much as I can. And we were just talking about Adam Kinzinger. And yes, I told you, but wait, there's more. And there is. I have a part two to that. We've got a little less than a minute of Adam Kinzinger at the January 6th hearing. Uh, this was just yesterday morning. And uh, he's got a tear in his eye. I never Check expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. Uh, I've talked to a number of you and gotten to know you. I think it's important to tell you right now, though, you guys may like individually feel a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with. And, you know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad, bad days, how we take accountability for that. And for all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. Let's define the truth, and it's to ensure accountability. Wah, 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 call the wambulance because Rep. Adam Kinzinger is crying on Capitol Hill. I never Check expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. Uh, I've talked to a number of you and gotten to know you. I think it's important to tell you right now, though. You guys may, like, individually feel a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with, and, you know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad, day, bad days, how we take accountability for that. And for all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. Let's define the truth, and it's to ensure accountability. Ensure accountability. The, the thing that comes to mind for me here is, again, not the words he's using, because I think they're empty and they're rhetorical in many ways. But I think, is there not, correct me if I'm wrong, 535 members of Congress? How is it that it's only Adam Kinzinger that decides to tell you how emotional talking about this? Day? Well, him and, of course, AOC, all out crazy, good old AOC. How could we forget her? Uh, because she had some interesting things to say, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But other than these two, everybody else doesn't have the waterworks on full display. And everybody else saw the same thing. And I'm not saying it was a walk in the park. I'm not that guy. I'm not. I think it was uh, uncalled for and inappropriate. Yeah, I do. But I also think, my goodness, what is this guy crying about? 
But we were talking about, in the first hour, some of the, the drama and theatrics that went on with yesterday's hearing on Capitol Hill related to the January 6th riots. And what I find interesting is everybody has an angle on it, right? The Democrats really are the ones that have the biggest angles. Everybody else is kind of like, yeah, yes, it sucked. We shouldn't have done it. You know, punto y final, period, the end. But that wasn't the case. Now, AOC and I have a... Um, an interesting past because, uh, like I told you, as a talker in New York, I wanted to have her on, on my show. I wanted to have her on my podcast. Uh, it's called This Is America with Rich Valdez. Make sure you check it out wherever you get podcasts. This Is America with Rich Valdez with an S. And follow at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And if you do, you'll see some of the stuff that I share about AOC, who I've nicknamed All Out Crazy. Now, AOC, uh, I had tried to invite her on the show plenty of times, probably a dozen times. Her office never responded, mainly because... She didn't have an office in the Bronx and for a long time didn't have an office in Queens. So she was the representative of the people of the 14th District of New York, but yet wasn't representing anybody because she had no office. So I was constantly inviting her on. Now, she and I both happen to be Americans of Puerto Rican heritage. Okay, so I happened to be marching in the Puerto Rican parade with a safety patrol group in New York City, a bunch of crime fighters called the Guardian Angels, led by Curtis Sliwa. Uh, New Yorker with a funny red hat. You've seen him before with the red beret. He's a great guy. He's a hero. And he's running for mayor. And we'll talk about that later. But I was walking with their group, marching in the parade, celebrating our Hispanic uh, Puerto Rican heritage. And I look over and I see AOC coming down the parade route uh, with a, a banner, a bunch of people. And the banner says, Todos Juntos, which in Spanish means all together. And this was 2019, right? The Puerto Rican parade, Fifth Avenue, New York City, million people. And she's stopping every so often to, you know, um, go to the sidelines to say hello to the parade revelers and people that are there and take pictures and selfies and whatnot. So being that I was a few hundred feet away from her, I said, you know what? I, I would, A, want to say hello, you know, in the spirit of her banner, todos juntos, right? All together, I wanted to say hello and, and remind her, hey, I reached out to your office. I'd like to get some sort of uh, uh, appointment or what? I want to invite you on my show so we can debate these issues because she'd been dodging it. Well, that didn't turn out as I thought, because as I approached her, I was about a foot away. I extend my hand and I say, hey, congressman or congresswoman. And she, out of the corner of her eye, she kind of turns a little bit, looking at me like on a 45 degree angle and kind of cuts her eye at me, gives me like a dirty look and then literally just lets go of the hand she was shaking and kind of jolts and trots straight across the street, like jogging, like almost running. She literally ran away. And people think, oh, you're making it up. You're embellishing. And I say, no. It just happened to be that people were filming this stuff. The New York Post was right next to me uh, doing what they were doing with their parade coverage. And the stuff is on video. It's on my Twitter and all that stuff. She literally ran away from me, ran straight across the street. And uh, you could Google it. I mean, it was a big story in the New York Post. And, and she never came on the show. And to add insult to injury, Congresswoman AOC, all out crazy herself, she decided that she was going to instruct her communications person to send out a tweet and say bad things about me. And she did that. And then I think they reconsidered and said, you know, we, sh we shouldn't do that because, you know, that gives more, more fuel to this fire. And, you know, we're going to put Rich Valdez on the map. So they deleted the tweet, but not before the Washington Times and the New York Post had gotten a screen capture of them saying, yo, Rich Valdez, F-bomb this and F-bomb that and whatever, using this foul language on Twitter. So... Lo and behold, that was another story that broke out again with them using the F-bomb toward me in this tweet. And uh, needless to say, Congresswoman AOC never wants to join me on the radio, ever, on the podcast, nothing. 
So if you're listening, Congresswoman AOC, if you happen to be out of the area or you're listening on odyssey.com, I invite you to call in right now, please, 855-839-1210, 855-839-1210. Now, good old AOC was doing an interview or did an interview with CNN. And I think they felt that some of what she said was a little over the top, so they edited it out. But it was released and it was scored by Project Veritas. One of those CNN whistleblowers gave it over to Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. Big shout out to them. I used to work there. And uh, it really is great stuff that they do exposing the lies and hypocrisy that the left and the media espouse towards us, we the people. And they released this audio of AOC. It was a video, but we've got the audio for you. And I want you to hear this clip from AOC. Check this out. I was psychologically preparing myself for the worst the misogyny and the racism that is so deeply rooted and animated um, that attack on the Capitol. You know, white supremacy and patriarchy are very linked in a lot of ways. There's a lot of sexualizing of that violence. And um, I didn't think that I was just going to be killed. I thought other things were going to happen to me as well. So what sounds like what you're telling me right now is that you didn't only think that you were going to die. You thought you were going to be raped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, we don't take uh, rape as a laughing matter ever. Then why are you laughing, Rich Valdez? I'll tell you why I'm laughing, because I take AOC as a laughing matter. AOC, very comical to me. Uh, again, she's entitled to her feelings. I am the dad of two daughters. Up until like a week or three ago, I was the dad of two teenage daughters. One of them is 20 now. So listen, when you talk about having a hair trigger, that's me. When you talk about being a dad, that's me. I'm all about that. And I take this stuff very seriously. But AOC seems to have this um, ill-conceived notion that somehow if people break into the Capitol building, we the people going into the people's house against the rules to disrupt the counting of the ballots, uh, the ceremonial counting of the ballots to to prevent the transition of power. This is their argument, right? Why on earth is somebody going to stop to perpetuate a sexual assault on her? Now, again, if you're arguing to me is, well, why not? Uh, excuse me? Really? I mean, since when are you running a military coup or a citizen's coup against your country? And hold on, wait, quick, it's AOC. Let's quick and, uh, you know, I, I mean, really, and I don't mean to trivialize this. I just have trouble understanding her thought process. Ben Shapiro once asked her to debate. I asked her to debate. Thankfully, they just cursed at me and didn't say anything about, you know, innuendos or anything like that. But she didn't stop short of that for, for Shapiro, right? It was a big story in all the, all the newspapers. She accused him of catcalling because he said, I'll give you a hundred grand to any uh, charity you support if you agree to a debate. But yet AOC all out crazy. She, she thinks that people are out there to hurt. Now, listen, if this is because she's gotten some very negative uh, and um, evil, in my opinion, hate mail, death threats that include sexual assault, then I could, I could see why that happens. And if that's the case, that, that's, that's really bad. And maybe that's why she has such a poor opinion of, of the Trumpers. But um, I can't, I just don't see, I've never met 
And I go a lot of places. I go to conferences. I speak at conferences. I do different radio places. I've never been in contact with somebody who said that we should rape our political opposition, literally. It's just not a thing. But I want to hear your opinion on this. Let me know if you think AOC is over the top. Tell me what you think about this whole Capitol Hill thing as well. And a little bit later, I'm going to have two surprise guests on the line. Or maybe they're not surprise guests. I don't know. Maybe they're expert impressionists. You don't know what you get when you're dealing with radio. But... First, I want to go to your calls. Let's go to Terry and King of Prussia. Terry, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich. Listen, I uh, thanks for taking the call. I, I just like to say that what you just said there was wrong because back when Trump's count was being done, there wasn't rioters breaking down the doors trying to stop it. And let me ask you something, Rich. What would have happened had those hillbilly uh, redneck inbred been successful on right, January Now, are you talking 6th? about the people at the, at the riot or members of your family i'm talking about those rioters they oh, okay. were carrying a goddamn they were carrying a, a, a flag well, your mouth. from the confederacy that we we fought and beat we don't need to see that crap in our capital i agree with and that i'll tell you right now why are you getting so hot under with? hold on a second why are your panties in a bunch number one you shouldn't be wearing panties number two who's I'll, here I'll defending why, hold on it's not your turn it's my turn who is defending the confederacy sir nobody so what I'm saying is, they where were, were the Democrats the that were Capitol. objecting? Uh, who cares who's holding the flag in the Capitol? They're, they're, those people have been held accountable. They haven't seen the light of day. So what is the point that you're should, making? But, and they shouldn't. But let me ask you, Rich. Answer the question of why. What would have happened had they been successful? What would have, what would have happened? Because we're already at a Successful in state. what? What's that? They got into the building. What, what success are you referring to? I said, if they were successful. If and I said successful, successful at what? At overthrowing our government. They were they, they wanted to hang Pence. I think they would have raped him, too, because. Some okay, of so they would have hanged Pence. Like that All right, fight. hang on. You talk way too much. Hang on. <laughs> they're going to hang Pence and they're going to rape him. You know, the things that you hear in <laughs> Philly radio. All right. But just presuming that that's the case. All right. So uh, if what would have happened if they hung Pence and raped him? I think you could figure that out, uh, you know, by no, yourself. No, but what would have happened had they taken over our Capitol building? What would they did take over Trump the Capitol building. Over, I'm Trump now. <laughs> that, that's what my point. Happened? We would have been I'm trying to answer you. Our- Listen, what would have happened is exactly what happened. They took over. They did what they did. They got kicked out. They got arrested. Some got away. They tracked them down. Like I said, wrong guy. I'm I'm the one guy that has on my Twitter. I had it as my uh, pinned Republican. tweet. Could you stop? My goodness. What I'm trying to say is I believe what happened in the Capitol was wrong. I said it was inappropriate. It was illegal. It should not have happened. I'm not one of these people that says it's the people's house and they came into the people's house and they didn't know. The thing was closed. You had the vice president of the United States inside the Capitol building. I didn't tell anybody to go to the Capitol. I didn't show up at the Capitol. So to call here and say that you're going to hang Pence and you're going to rape him while you're at it, you're just a sicko. But I get your point. Irrespective of the sicko-ness, I get what you're trying to say. And yeah, I don't support that. I don't think that that should have happened. I don't think it was a a coup on the United States. What were they going to do? Steal Pelosi's computer? They did it. What were they going to do? Take selfies at the lectern and the podium and take the lectern with them? They did it. And that's my point. So when you say if they would have succeeded, what were they going to do? The states had already certified their elections. 
Pence, in effect, really couldn't do anything. And if he would have done something, it would have been uncharted territory. And I think that's why Trump is uh, having an exception with him, because he says, you know what, you should have at least tried. And then we could have fought it in the courts and you, you didn't give it your all. And I think that's a legitimate place to be. If you're the vice president to that president, yeah, I could see that as a loyalty litmus test. But in the grand scheme of things, as a citizen observer of all of this, it didn't need to happen. It shouldn't have happened. The people that are there trespassing, disturbing the peace, breaking a window, whatever. Charge them, give them their ticket, and let them go. Keeping them in jail forever, absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. Terry from King of Prussia, thank you for your call. Very entertaining, although I didn't get to talk much, but uh, (laughs) I do appreciate it. Greetings, my friends. I am Rush Limbaugh. You are not. Don't forget to buy my book. I'm right. You're wrong. Deal with it. And you are listening to Mr. Rich Valdez, by the way. And you know, my friends, the guy running that show has been tied to my show for more than a decade. My good friend Jim Kelly from WPHT, by the way, who wants to say a few words, but he needs to turn it over to another great talk show host. That's right, my friends. What you're listening to right now is Rich Valdez, my good friend, Mr. Carl Spreener. Listen to that last call. I would have said, get off the phone, you dope. <laughs> Thank you, Jim Kelly. Man. That is spot on. That is terrific. I feel like I'm at work at night with the great one. R.I.P. to El Rushbo. I wanted oh, to do yeah. that to pay tribute to him. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Jim. Best now, way to pay tribute to him. Is amen to that. Let the Rushbo live on. And there you have it. And this is why. I think it's so important for us to uh, stand for something, right? Not to say it not to just close out the show or to be cliche, but we have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything like that idiot did. So don't do that. And of course, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So you know what's up. It's time to take some action. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. And a big thank you to everybody that's buying the T-shirts. I just saw that we had some orders going out. So thank you for that. Anybody who didn't get one uh, and ordered one, I spoke with the vendor, and that stuff is getting taken care of immediately. So thank you for your patience. And we are looking forward to um, sharing your photos with those shirts on social media. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.